0: Today, we're going to um, read Romans 13, 1 through 7. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So, the, so then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger, that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit not only because of the wrath, but also because of your conscience. And for this reason, you pay taxes, since the authorities are God's servants continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to those you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor."
1: All right. So, Romans 13. So, as you know, we, it's our practice to, pray, to preach through, uh, through books of the Bible. So, this is where we're at. Now, some of y'all got a whole bunch of questions about government and about the church. Now I ain't going to answer all of them today. So, just, it's just okay. Whole books have been written about, it, okay? <laughs> but we're going to try to dig into this scripture and see what God has to say uh, for us today. So, I think one of the, the interesting things is uh, when I read... This scripture, and I think when many people uh, read this scripture, I think something in us goes, Ugh. and the reason is, is because I think we live in an, in an anti-authority age. We live, we live in an anti-authority age. And I think there, there are two two major things to contribute to this. The first one is we have seen authority abused. Yeah. So when, when you see authority abused, you're like, well, maybe this is not Okay. Uh, maybe we should find some other way. You know, we, we've seen uh, authority abused in government. We've seen authority abused in church. We've seen authority abused in the family. So, so it's no wonder why we have a, a little bit of, a, of an anti-authority issue in our heart. Uh, but also, I think uh, that people don't like accountability. So if somebody's calling you on your stuff, you don't like that, Right? So it's not one or the other. It's not one or the other reason. It's both of both. We've seen authority abuse, and, and in our heart, we have this, this predisposition to not want to be told what to do. And so the question that we want to ask ourselves is, is how should Christians relate to authority? I know this passage is, is talking about governing authorities, but I want to ask the, the, the more broader question is, how should Christians respond to authority. And I think this scripture teaches us that Christians honor and submit to authority as a means of honoring God. That Christians honor and submit to authority as a means of honoring God. Now, there's a lot of caveats. There's a lot of things to get into, but that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help me to speak your word, that you would guide my words by the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would communicate to your people what you want this day. That you would soften our hearts to your word, that we might honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we look at verse 1, it says, Let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist... Are instituted by God. So, what we learn is that authority is from God. Now, authority is the legitimate exercise of power. Now, here's the interesting thing that we need to understand now, the, first, the one who has the most authority is God. And what we see Him do with that authority is we see Him bless. That, that authority is given so that people would be blessed, right? So, so God has, a, has authority over humanity, and he, he blesses them, and he says, be fruitful and multiply. So the authority is not meant to be a shackle to hold you down, but God uses authority as a means to bless. And he expects all authority to be used in that same way. See, the problem we see with authority is that authority is often self-serving. That that people take authority and they just, they use it as a tool to bless themselves rather than as a tool to bless those over whom they have authority. So we see see like like one of the most primary and fundamental authority structures is parents and children. Now, if, if a parent is abusing that authority, we, we rightly go, wait, 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 wait a minute. However, how much is the child blessed if, if the parents use their authority to bless, to serve, to, to teach the child? We, so, so, so it's not a neutral thing. If, 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 if children don't have the authority of parents, there's chaos. But if children have the authority of parents who don't use their authority simply to serve themselves or simply because you're annoyed at your child at that moment. But if you use your authority to bless and to try to create good character, that blesses everybody. And in reality, what's what's so interesting about uh, the anti-authority age we live in is that nothing functions without without authority. Like the world could not function. Like imagine a football team in which no one has authority. And everybody gets on the field, everybody's like, I'm going to do my own play. Are they going to win? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, they're not going to win. So, so well, listen, listen, we need to understand that, that though authority has been abused, authority in and of itself is not a bad thing. Listen to this, this quote from, uh, from the Church Father Origin. It says, what does Paul mean when he says that there is a no, no authority except from God? Is an authority which persecutes the children of God, which attacks the faith and which undermines religion from God. So he's speaking as a persecuted minority. So he has some some sort of complications with authority, yeah? The authority of his day wanted to persecute the church. So he's looking at this scripture and he's like, so what do I do with that? And he goes on to say, nobody will deny that our senses, sight, sound, and thought are given to us by God. But although we get them from God, what we do with them is up to us. God will judge us righteously for having abused what he gave us to use for good. Likewise, God's judgment against the authorities will be just if they have used the powers they have received according to their own ungodliness and not according to the laws of God. What he's getting at is is authority, just like every other thing you have is a gift from God. And just like every other thing that you have, it can be abused. In fact, sin is the abuse of God's gift. So if somebody is blessed with, with vast physical strength, they can do two things. They can use that physical strength to oppress, or they can use that physical strength to protect. But the strength itself is, is somewhat neutral. And what you do with it determines if it is helpful or not. So all authority, including government authority, is meant to be a tool of blessing. That's that's supposed to be its function. Now, this is something you don't think about a lot, but, you know, a lot of times you go visit family. Maybe you go to Atlanta, maybe you go to North Carolina, maybe you take a really long road trip. And one thing that you might not know is that without the government, you actually wouldn't have a road to get there. Right? I mean, it's, it's, it's something you don't think about, right? I mean, like, like, government provides infrastructure so that you can drive on the road to get to where you want to go. Businesses didn't create the road. You individually didn't create the road, but the government itself created the road so that you can get to where you want to go. And that is a blessing. That is how it's supposed to function so that you can, can, can do what you want in a way that's safe and with ease. In verse 2, we, we get this, this understanding that a rebellious spirit is not safe. Look at verse 2. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. So Paul here, he's assuming that there is a right usage of authority. It's, he's assuming that, that politicians aren't diverting money meant, from public, meant for public service into their pockets. Right, he's assuming that this is, this is the best case scenario. And what we see is that the law is good. So when we talk about the law, we, we kind of sometimes we think it's bad, but it's supposed to function as a safety rail. Now imagine uh, if you're driving on, you know, like, like a mountainous road and there's all these curves and stuff, you'll probably see a lot of rails, right? And the rail's there to remind you, hey, man, don't go off with a clip. Now, does the rail stop everybody? No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't stop everybody. But if you look, you're like, well, you should have. Come on now. You should have seen the rail there, bro. You shouldn't have just, you should have turned. You should have turned. The law functions like the railing along that road. He says those who oppose authority will bring judgment on themselves. See, the reality is sometimes we get mad at authority when really we are suffering the consequences of our actions. I remember a, a scenario where I'm telling my kids stop running. Stop running. Stop running. Stop running. And then they fall down and bust their head and they look at me like I did something wrong. I'm like, I told I why are you mad at me? <laughs> like that was you. You did that. In verse 3 through 5, we see that God the government, excuse me. Government is supposed to provide moral order. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you are wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. This is is teaching us that, that the state should reward good conduct. Now, let me tell you, like, how, this is one example. You know how uh, you know, churches get tax, tax write off like they don't have to pay taxes like you know, other stuff? Where did that come from? Where did that come from? In the third century, uh, the Roman Empire realized that the church was doing a really, really, really good job at serving the poor. They're like, man, they're just serving everybody. You know, People who need help, they get help. People who are sick, they didn't build a hospital. Like, They have done a lot of work to help people. So we don't have to do it. <laughs> No, well, let's, let's, let's give them this little tax benefit so they're actually providing good in the society and we don't have to do it. That, that was the, the, the origin of that practice. It is, what, what I love about that is that's something to live up to. That, that, that if, we, if that's the origin of the practice, the church should be doing some good, yeah? We should be doing some good. And the state, it says that, that he has, the state has the sword. The state should punish bad conduct. There should be a reduction of crime. Now, here's one thing that I've, I've learned. I don't care who you are. I don't care what law you break. If somebody do something to you, who you call? The police. I don't care who you are. I didn't, y'all, I, I didn't see some gangsters call the police. I ain't going to go there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> okay. never mind. I ain't going to go there. Listen, who doesn't want their property protected? Right? You, know, like if somebody, you don't want people to just roll up in your house and take your TV. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's really basic, but it, like, it, it provides an essential function. And, 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 and if the state is using authority legitimately, Christians ought to be able to live in peace. This is 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. It says, first of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and for all those who have authority. Y'all know we do that? Okay. That's one of the reasons we do that anyway. Uh, for kings and all those in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So, something that Christians will be, you know, not stealing stuff and, and not taking the other things, not hitting people, and supposing that they're obeying the Lord and loving their neighbor, they should kind of be like, oh, you can just do what you want to do. Christians obey authority as, a, as worship to God. In verse 5, it says, therefore, you must submit not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. He's just saying, listen, you shouldn't do bad stuff only because you don't want to get punished. Right? That would be kind of like, why didn't you steal that? Well, they, they would have got me. Is that the only reason? <laughs> like, I hope there's something in your heart that just didn't want to steal stuff because you love people. See, we're not only trying to avoid going to jail. We want to contribute to the good of society. We want to contribute to the good of our neighbors. And in verse 7, Christians ought to respect and support authority. Verse 7, pay obligations to everyone, taxes to those who owe taxes, tolls to those who owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor. I mean, it's it's, it's very simple. Like paying taxes and honor and authority, all things being equal, contributes to the good society. I mean, y'all like schools, don't you? That, that's taxes, you know, you, you're sick, you, where you want to go, to the hospital? If your, if your house catches on fire, who you calling? All right, this is very like, I know it's being basic, but this is, this is the, the essential functions of it. Now, honor and authority does not mean blind obedience, but it, it means true respect. Now, listen, the person who wrote this had some run-ins with authority. I don't know if you know that or not. He has some, so, so he's not just saying do whatever they say all the time, but he's saying, listen, All things being equal, respectful, all things being equal, honor those who lead, even if you don't agree with their policy. Nonetheless, honor them. So let's get to some some nitty-gritty questions, all right? What do we do when authority is used wrongly? Because I know everybody in the back of their head like, but what about, what about, what about? Okay, what do we do when authority is used wrongly? Again, this is a first century reality. This is a reality for the people who wrote the New Testament, yeah? They were being persecuted actively by various authorities so that they didn't just write this uh, uh, without giving us some, some record of how they responded when authority was used wrongly. So let's ask this question. What if authority asks you to do something evil? You know, first couple of chapters of Acts, you had the apostles going around preaching Jesus, and the authority at the time was like, stop doing that. Don't preach Jesus. matter of fact, there are times when they got beaten for disobeying the authority. In Acts 5, verse 28 and 29, Peter says, uh, it's not Peter, this is the authority says, didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood verse 29. Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than people. So so listen, when the authority conflicts with God's word, then you obey God's word. When authority conflicts with God's commandments, with God's justice, you pick God. How about this? Can, Can you critique authority? There are so many books in the Bible we wouldn't have if you couldn't. Never never view you like Isaiah to Malachi. It's a bunch of government critique. <laughs> hey, y'all not, y'all doing wrong. Y'all not helping the poor. It's all this critique. Matter of fact, we have an example of, of Paul giving some critique in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, he goes to Philippi and he starts preaching. He's starting to uh, uh, begin a church and he gets arrested and beaten. Without a trial. Acts 16, 36. The jailer reported these words to Paul. The magistrates, the leaders, have sent orders for you to be released. So come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they beat us in public without a trial. Although we are Roman citizens and threw us in jail. And now they're going to send us away secretly? Certainly not. On the contrary, let them come themselves and escort us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates. They were afraid when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to appease them. And escorting them from prison, they urged them to leave town. So Paul, let's put it in modern language. Paul was a victim of police brutality. He got beat before there was a trial. Okay. And, and they was like, oh, my bad. Let's let it slide. He's like, mm-mm. mm-mm. Now, nah, if you're going to beat me, let, let, you need to tell everybody I was innocent. <laughs> if you're going to beat me, you need to, need to make sure that, that not, you can not going to let it slide under the table. So, so listen, it is proper and biblical to respectfully critique authority when it is in the wrong. So what I, what I, I want us to have, listen, listen, a careful Correct understanding of civil disobedience. Now, we're going to get a little nerdy. Okay, what is is civil disobedience? Civil disobedience is what Peter and the apostles were doing when they said, I know you told me not to preach about Jesus, but I got to obey God. But they got beat, though. They got beat. And then what do they do? The scripture says that they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name. Okay, so, so civil disobedience is when you decide to not obey a law that is unjust. And you also decide to take the consequences of not obeying that law. It's both, right? So in the civil rights movement... When, when Martin Luther King and all the civil rights leaders were, were trying to fight for justice and equality, what happened? They would Let's say if it was the uh, 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 they couldn't you know, drink at this water fountain, they couldn't sit where they wanted to sit on the bus. So they would go sit on the bus, and they would have these long conversations. Look, we better go sit on the bus, okay? Now, they're going to arrest you. Just be cool. They're going to arrest you, but we're going to demonstrate that this law is unjust because everybody's going to see this public mistreatment. Okay, so, so that, that is, this is this civil, and listen, that, that sounds like it was a social issue, but it was a theological one because it was about, are people created equally? Are they created in God's image or not? So, so, so civil disobedience is accepting the consequences of the moral violation with integrity. So listen, what's interesting is that nobody in this day and age uh, has the, the, the monopoly on protest, because every time somebody protests, there's a counter-protest, Right? I mean, like, the right protest I was like, no, nah. the left protest, right like, no, nah. there's a like, protest and a counter of protest everywhere. What, listen, I'm not against civil disobedience, but we need to have some sort of tool to, to discern, like, what, what exactly is, is going on? And, and the question that I want us to learn to ask is, when someone is doing something that they think is for justice, that they think is for the Lord, they think is for the good of others, I want you to ask this question. Where is the fruit of the Spirit? If people are going to do things for God, they are going to display the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Yeah? So listen, so, so, so if you are going to, if you want to enter into that arena, you need to understand that you can't do it looking like the world. And listen, that, listen, we got progressive Christians tripping and conservative Christians tripping. Let's just be real. Let's go fight the government. No, no, that's not civil disobedience. That's not what it is. if If you believe that you are in the right and you want to disobey something because you think it contradicts what scriptures and morality say, then you better do it full of the spirit with love, joy and peace, not anger and hatred. This is co-opting something that was used for good. All right, I'm done. Uh, (laughs) So we can look to Jesus and look to him, how how he dealt with uh, authority. You know what I'm saying? Because there was one time when when, uh, they came to Jesus and Peter was like, you going to pay your taxes? And Jesus said, yeah, I'll pay taxes. It's straight. Then he said, Jesus, are you going to stop preaching? Well, no, I ain't going to do that. No, I ain't going to do that one now. I'll do the one that's okay, but the one that's outside of the bounds of, of me disobeying God, I'm not, I'm not going to do that one. But, but the most important thing we need to see about Jesus and his relationship to authority is that he laid down his authority to save us. Listen to Philippians 2, 5. It says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Translation says, Jesus Christ is fully God which means he has all authority, and he didn't, he didn't cling to his authority. He didn't hoard it. He didn't exploit it to get out of suffering. No, he laid it down so that he could serve others. See, he, he, he shows what one should do with authority. That I don't use it just to do whatever I want to do. That in fact, I would lay it down if it means that I can serve other people. And because he laid down his authority, you and I can have our sins forgiven. Because he laid down his authority and he submitted to the Father's will. And he submitted to the beatings and he submitted to the cross. Because he laid down his authority, we can have eternal life. See, he, he completely changes the way that we view authority. Like when he's talking to the apostles, he's, he says, look, look, it can't, when y'all have authority, it can't be like the Gentiles. You can't just lord it, lord it over each other. But, but the greatest one among you must be a servant. And as I, as I was pondering this scripture and I was pondering like, well, how could we practically obey? What, what can we, how can we practically respond to what God is saying? I think one of the spiritual disciplines that has been lost is the spiritual discipline of submission. The spiritual discipline of submission. That, that the picture of the church is a community of Submission, people who submit to God's word, people who submit to one another, people who submit to leaders and leaders who submit to their congregations. We have it in our mind that I just do what I want to do. and Don't nobody tell me what I want to do. What if Jesus would have said that? Listen, we have to have a posture of humility and a posture of Submission. Let me just make it plain. I like to make it plain. So listen, if authority tell you something, okay, that is against the scripture, what you say? No. Now, there are these, there are these, these other areas. It's like, that's not against scripture. I just don't want to do it. Well, in that case, <laughs> the practice is submission. Here's a question that I want all of us to ask. How do you know if you're living in submission? Here's the Here's the answer. Can anybody challenge you? Is there anybody that can tell you what you don't want to hear and you don't just get mad at them? Is there anybody who can correct you? Beloved, we submit to each other because we understand the deceitfulness of sin. Listen, listen, when, when I planted the church, I was the only elder pastor. I intentionally made other ones so people can go, hey, what are you doing? Think about that. I I intend, like, I want people to go, wait a minute. That's not right because I can be deceived. And we, all of us need that. Wait a minute. You can't do that. And the response should not be, well, I just do what I want to do. No, that is not the spirit of Christ. That is not the discipline of submission. In fact, in your everyday life, in your everyday life, you have to learn the discipline of submission. You know, marriage is an institution of mutual submission. It says we submit to one another under the fear of Christ. And, the, and the, the husband is saying, what is your preference? And the wife is saying, what is your preference? And it just goes back and forth. What is your preference? What is your preference? How can I serve you? How can I serve you? We, we submit to the Lord. Let's just make it real tangible through submission to our bosses. Everybody had a boss that wasn't great. It's just me. Caleb, don't say nothing, man. Uh, <laughs> listen, listen, listen. That's some tangible stuff. Maybe your boss is just a mean, you know, I was, never mind. Just a just not, not good person. <laughs> and um, nonetheless, we practice discipline of submission. And if you yourself are in a position of authority, whether it's you're a parent, you're a boss, you're a pastor, whatever, if you yourself are in a position of authority, Remember, you use it to bless people. You use it to serve people. So our our relationship with authority and submission are radically changed and renewed in Christ. See, in Christ, we have a God who practiced submission. And in Christ, we see the God who had all authority use it to bless. So let's imitate him. Jesus, I thank you so much that you gave us the proper teaching on authority. Lord, I pray that, that we will be people who ultimately submit to you and then submit to the authorities that are given for our good. Lord, would you give us wisdom When sometimes, if authority says to do something that we know is not right, give us wisdom to respond correctly, to respond full of the Holy Spirit, joy, and gentleness. Lord, I pray that you would use us to bless those around us. Everybody in here has some authority, some influence. Lord, I pray that we would leverage every ounce of influence that we have for the good of those who are around us, imitating you, Christ our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.